Dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Hey, welcome to Grimdark Live, your weekly webcast for all things dice, dragons, demons, and dwarfs in the Warhammer worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, my co-host, Steve. What do you hear? What do you say, bud? Hey, I am still surviving the nerd pocket. I got to tell you, man, this this COVID coronavirus, and now we're stuck inside for another, for another what? Till the end of April now, I guess, here, at least here in the Chicagoland area? Yeah, um, there's a lot of talk that... Uh, it's probably going to even extend into May. We don't know yet, but hey, we'll see. You know, right, right now, I mean, we're just, as, as citizens, we're just taking it one day at a time. That's all we can do. But I got to tell you, man, this coronavirus has turned us all into dogs. I mean, we, we roam the house all day looking for food. We're, we're told no if we get too close to strangers, and we get really excited about car rides. I, I just so got to make sure. what's changed with you? Well, I'm not licking my balls as much. Will you stop? What are you talking about? I just thought I'd throw a little, you know, human interest story in there. All right, Keep so I need clean. Rolling on, rolling on. They are. All right, moving on. All right, all, all joking aside. So yeah, we got that. We got a pretty good show today. We're going to be talking about the uh, the rumor engine. We got that back. And you know what's funny is every time I sit there and say like we're done with the rumor engine, something else something else happens where we get stuck talking about the rumor engine again. So we're going to be leading off with that one in the news. And um, we got the Warhammer reveals that were that were on Twitch uh, this past Saturday. I thought we'd touch on that and have a conversation about that. And we got Adepticon news, uh, some changes coming to Adepticon. And, of course, we're going to be talking about Armed Forces Day 3. Uh, but, Steve, what else, man? What else you got uh, you're going to be touching on and talking about? Well, we're going to be talking about those uh, war cows. Moo cows, yeah. The, 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 the bovine bashers. That's right. The Lumineth croquet players, right? Those guys, yeah. yeah. I, uh, th- those mallets did it in for me. I, you know, it's a tie. I don't know. And we're going to talk about this here in a little bit, but I don't know whether, I don't know if it's the, the hats you can't fit through a door with or the freaking croquet mall- mallets. I, I don't, I don't understand. Oh, we're going to talk in depth on that. Yeah. But you know, in, in all fairness, in all fairness, croquet is a really good game. As long as you have the balls for it. Will you stop? Wait, I'm just, you know, again, I can't, I can't make a comment without getting yelled at all the time. Good Lord. Keep we're also going to be, uh, we're also going to be, uh, on the, on the, on the flip side to, uh, the, uh, the, the Lumineth realm Lords. We, we're going to be talking about, I'm not going to give it away yet, but we're going to be talking about another group of elves that, uh, that are, that are old, old tried and true, man. Um, I think, I think those are the elves that people really should be focusing on, um, instead of the, uh, the, the Mukau elves. So, yeah, we got uh, we got we got a good uh, we got a good show ahead of us today, man. So, uh, you know, folks, uh, buckle buckle in and keep your uh, your hands and your feet in the grimdark cart at all times. The ride is now beginning. Uh, and as always, we have the question of the day and the closing thoughts towards the end of the show. But you know, before we get going with uh, with the show, I, I do want to kind of throw something out there to uh really the 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 grimdark gang you know i'd like to make a special shout out to the grimdark guys uh i've never been so proud of a group of gamers and hobbyists and dice chuckers uh, you know that really a guy like me can can call friends 
um, you know, to all of our, our patrons uh, and, and listeners, you know, you guys are also part of that, that Grimdark gang. Uh, thank you for being the best part of Grimdark Live, uh, especially looking at some of the great comments and things that are transpiring when we're all kind of in lockdown here to, you know, um, it's nice to know that you guys are all still out there and, and, and supporting us. So thank you. Uh, thank you very much. So, yeah, I, I wanted to start the show with that, man. How about that? That was warm and fuzzy, huh? Yeah, and I think it's well-deserved. Um, we've had a lot of guys that even though they've been stuck inside, they're working on hobby projects, not only for themselves, but also for our group. That's right. And uh, that says a lot about a club. It's, it says a lot about the character of that club. So I'm, I agree. I'm very proud of the guys that we hang with. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 surpri- I'm, I'm surprised that... Uh, um, that I'm surprised, you know, uh, you know, the, the caliber of the people that, uh, that, that, that are part of the grimdark gang and, and, and even, even our listeners, you know, they're, we're all just a different breed of cat, man. And, and, and I love you all for it and thank you very much, but, uh, but let's, let's get rolling, man. Let's, we got, we got a heck of a lot of stuff to talk about and, and we're going to get, um, we're going to get going. Hey, you Grimdark goons. Thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway... Thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. So I think uh, I think I think now though it's time to really get uh, get into the news, and we're going to be opening up here with um, with the rumor engine. So this one's kind of interesting because um, you know when I when I when I first saw it uh, shortly before the the show started, you know, you and I were kind of talking about. Um, well, just just what this could possibly could be. So we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk about this one. So here it is. We got uh, we got the rumor engine. So Steve, what are your thoughts, man? Well, you know, the first thing when I saw that, it just screamed dark elves to me. Okay. Uh, because of the wickedness of that axe and also that little gemstone in the middle, and I do think that the dark elves are coming uh, sooner than we may have anticipated. Yeah. And, uh, and and to tell you the truth, I think they're going to be more popular than the Lumineth Realm Lords. Um, but that's uh, that's a discussion for a later time. But yeah, I think it's yeah. Dark Elves. Well, you know, it's funny. I've got I've got a Fisher Price little like farmer set that's a little more popular than the Lumineth Realm Lords right now too. You know. So. Yeah, it's um, it's an army that's appealed to some, but a lot of people are are giving it the stink eye, and yeah. we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and that that's kind of unfair because I do want to give respect to it for for the folks that, that do want to dive in and try it out. But uh, but you know, like 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 anything, you know, I'm, um, I'm we're gonna have our opinions here on Grimdark Live. But going back to the rumor engineer, so this does to me though, you know, dark elves. I guess when I first look at it, I can think to myself, it looks like an axe, some kind of an execution style type axe. So I could yep. see where. Where they've been thinking about that, but you know, I do. I got to go back to the Osiak Bone Reapers. That that it probably is something for that. I mean, I don't see. I when I look at the the top of the hilt here, the the you know it kind of has that uh, that bone frame around the top of it. It does look very Osiak Bone Reapers to me. Maybe a new character, a new unit. Um, yeah. Maybe... See, 
the reason I didn't, I mean, yes, I agree. I saw the bone like clamp on the top of the axe. Right. But Dark Elves had a lot of bones featured in their older models. Like they had a lot of skull icons and they had a lot of like, you know, parts of skeletons and their banners and stuff. Not, you know, not with any relation to undead, but because of like, you know, the, the terror, you know, the, the uh, fact that they're an evil army. Right. So I'm think, I still think it's dark elves, but I agree. The bone thing did kind of make me question, well, is that something new coming for like, well, could be vampires. We don't know. It could be vampires. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and it's funny. I, when I first saw it too, I kind of thought Shadespire, but I'm not. I'm I'm pretty. I think I'm 100% sure it's not a Shadespire Warband piece. Um, I, I'm going to still stick with my OCR Bone Reapers on that one. But I mean, uh, I guess it could be a short list. It could be Seraphon. Um, I don't think Lumineth. I think the Bone thing kind of kind of says no to that. Um, probably not Iden of the Deepkin either. Slanesh. Most likely not, but yes, I would say it's either it, to me, it's either something for Seraphon or Osiarch Bone Reapers in the actual game of Age of Sigmar itself. Interesting. Well, well, I guess we'll find out soon enough, won't we? Yeah, yeah, that's my that's my my two cents in a tin can on that one. I'm not uh, not not quite sure, but um, we'll definitely uh, I guess we'll definitely find out soon enough, huh? Yes, we will. Yes, we <laughs> will indeed. <laughs> well, well, we hope soon enough. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very true too. So, let's uh, let's keep rolling on with the uh, with the news. So, the next piece that we have in the news, I think is a, I think is a topic that I think everyone expected that we were going to be speaking of, and that was the Warhammer reveals on Twitch that happened this past Saturday. And we know that there is another reveal, Steve, that's going to be happening this coming Saturday, April fourth. Yep. But we should talk briefly on what was revealed. You know, saving obviously the Lumineth as as a topic later on here on the show. Uh, and, and what we think will be revealed this coming Saturday, again, April 4th. So, Steve, overall, I mean, now, granted, I know you're a little upset about this. We were, you know, you were blubbering to me the other day and crying, and I had to, you know, you ruined my good hanky. But no Sons of Behemoth yet. I get it. You're upset no, about that. But, I think but what were your getting... overall thoughts on the reveals this past Saturday? Um At the risk of sounding too negative, um, I can't truly say that I was disappointed because none of the armies that I thought they were going to reveal, and I knew it was going to be mostly Lumineth, are armies I'm going to play. So I'm not upset about it. I just think that if I was a Lumineth player and I was waiting for some big reveal, I would have given that a C minus. Really? I don't think it was anything. I mean, well, I know we're going to talk about the Lumineth later, so I don't want to get too into too, you know, I don't want to get too in depth here, but the large mountain cow. Okay. Yeah. Will, yeah. I, I know it has an official name, but to quite frankly, I could care less because it is the most ridiculously non elf looking model that I've ever seen. I, I'm going to say and, this again. Yeah. I'm going to say this again later on in the show, but to yeah. me, it they, they, they look like my Gorgon and spandex. Look, I understand that an artist has a vision and that, and I get it. I do. I get it. An artist has a vision and sometimes their vision is something new. We're in a new world. So it would stand to reason that we're going to be seeing a new aesthetic and that the elves that we used to see are not necessarily the elves that we're going to see. 
So, okay, I, I'm okay with that. But when we talk about this later, we're going to talk about it in terms of utilitarian. We're going to talk about oh, yeah. this in terms of practicality yeah. of these of these models and how they would really fight in battle with the armor that they're wearing. And so, but I'm not going to go too much more into no. that. I think we'll save that for the Lumineth discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But if I were going to give an overall just grade, I would say it was a C minus. It was a huge disappointment to me. I didn't see anything there that I even remotely cared really, about. Really? You're, no. you're talking about the entire reveal that happened, Nothing. at least for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. And, but see, that's the only part that really concerns me because that is the game where those reveals will affect my games because my trolls are going to be playing against those armies. Right. So the way I see it is, you know, I'm only going to be concerned with the game that affects me and that actually affects the show because we only talk Age of Sigmar on the show. And we talk now, I got to tell you, the lion model for 40K looked phenomenal i i just love that model yeah and, and you want to know something let me go back to one thing before we get to get to what i thought was really great about the reveals you know you talk about an artist interpretation and again folks we are going to really deep dive into the lumineth here um but you know andy warhol painted soup cans you know back in the 1960s you know and and people bought a, a lousy painting of him painting campbell's soup cans um, mainly because it was Andy Warhol. I think people are going to be buying into this army because it's a new GW army. Um, but I, I think it's going to have the Andy Warhol effect when you say an artist interpretation. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. Th that's just my, my two cents in a tin can on that. But I do want to talk about something that I was, um, that I really liked, uh, as far as what the reveals were. Now, I know that, um, that, that, you know, we don't really get into, uh, the war cry a lot, but I really thought that the scions of the flame that, that happened, uh, that were revealed, I should say, I thought those things were great. And, you know, the, the model line was extremely impressive. And, and so when you saw those models, forget about if the fact that you don't play war cry, what were your thoughts sure. when you saw the scions oh, of the war flame? War cry has been knocking it out of the park. Right. Um, they're producing some of the most gorgeous models that GW's produced in probably the past five years. Oh yeah. So, and, but that, but see, that angers me because I look at that war cry, those models and how beautiful they are. And then I look at something like the Lumineth models that we've been seeing and I'm like, okay, why is it this high level quality production cannot happen in age of Sigmar? Now, I'm not saying that the models aren't beautiful in their own way, but when I look at these Warcry models, I'm seeing artists just knocking it out of the park. Right. I, and this is my opinion. Like I said, we're an opinion show, guys. So just understand when we knock something, it's our opinion. And the same if we promote it. Right. I'm just saying, I don't see how you could even compare the two in terms of the reveals that we saw. Right. Yeah. And, and you know something, I, I do have to say this though, of, of the Warcry releases so far, these are my favorite models ever. I yeah, mean, honestly, Warcry models are just freaking good. I, I, I mean, I agree with you on that. They yeah, are. I mean, if I was a masterclass artist, which I am certainly not, 
But uh, if I was, I would like to buy the Warcry crews just to paint them up because they're you, just beautiful models. You know what? I was just going to say, ever since I picked up the Warcry box set, I'm on a bit of a goal to build and paint all of the Warbands. The, the, the Chaos ones, I should say, not the AOS jump well, over ones. I'll definitely play the Daughters one. Oh, of definitely. course, of course. But I don't really look at those as like, because these are kind of like a select piece within the uh with you know th- these are these are specific cultists for the uh for the game and i don't know i'm just i i i, I love the line and i thought um i thought it'd be kind of neat to be able to just just to do that as kind of like a a side hobby but you know it's funny these guys here ironically enough they're the final missing war band from the core book um but i but i you you can bet there's still you know loads more stuff coming for Warcry. i don't think this by any means is going to be the last uh, oh not by a long shot right so i just think that um we you know what we got to do though um i mean let me ask you a question so would you be up to start playing Warcry? because i think we really yes. need to start as playing soon as Warcry. the daughters as soon as the daughters group is released i will be playing Warcry. you mean the snakes because i think they already have a daughter a daughters of cain pack well they have a daughters of cain faction that they just revealed that's the one with the snake right is that the one you're thinking of the one with the new death hag in it I think so, yeah. That's the group that I'm going to play. That that is the group I will use for Warcry. Okay. Well, I mean, so yeah, I'll play Warcry. I have, I have no problem with Warcry. I have no problem playing it. Um, you know, I mean, how bad can it be? All you have to do is spend what fifty bucks, and you get and you get a group, and you're done. You know, right? Someone right. else always has the core rules or something. So all yeah. I need to really do is just you know buy the buy the little group. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've played a few like knock around games and I got to tell you, I, I, I like it. Um, I, I was skeptical when I first came out as we all, all know. And, uh, I'm very happy that I was wrong. You know, I, I think, uh, I, th- I'm very happy that I was wrong. And I said that at the time, I said at the time that I was, I was, I would be happy if I was wrong. Um, because I didn't think it would have the staying power, but sure enough, here it is. And it's growing. Well, they're, they're not, they're not putting out models because they're not selling the game. I mean, it, it's exactly. But I mean, in honesty, though, I have not seen a single game of Warcry being played in the past two months. Um, well, when I walked right. into a store, now that doesn't mean that it's not being played because a lot of guys will meet up at their houses and stuff, and they'll right. play there. And that's what we said when it, when the game first came out. We didn't see people lugging around two or three totes of terrain just to go to their game store. We this no. we thought this was going to be like a beer and pretzels game to sit down and you yeah. know the basement eat cold meatloaf and play this game here. Well, everyone that we've talked to who's like guys in our group and stuff, guys that, you know, hang out at the GW store, uh, they all love it. They love the game. They think it's nice and simple and easy to play. It's fun. What is it, only three turns? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, why wouldn't you play it? I mean, if you have a faction, like, I mean, like they do, like they're going to have, like for the daughters, why wouldn't you jump in? It's only 50 bucks. You have to paint five models. Who cares? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like I said, I, 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 I really enjoy the models, and I think the more I get into the games, you know, the more, the more I'm, I'm impressed with the actual game itself, you know. So, um, like I said, I think it's going to be a, uh, uh, a game that I think is going to stand the test of time. I think it's, I think it's going to be around. I think, I think this might itch my Mordheim scratch or scratch my Mordheim itch is the best way to put it. So, moving well, on though, it, uh, um, it is, de- it has a three-year plan. So what, without a doubt, it will be around for three years. Yeah. What they do after that, well, you know, time will tell. Sure, sure. That, that's a good point. But our third topic here on the news tonight is 
there has been a, a a big change of guard, so to speak, with Adepticon. Uh, it looks like uh, Alex Gonzalez has stepped down uh, after being involved um, either you know indirectly or directly at the helm of Adepticon for the past 10 years and turned his reins over to Domus, a.k.a. James Hyde, which is good to hear because I think Domus will take good care of it. I think that um, Domus will continue on the mystique that Adepticon kind of has. But, uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on this change? Um, it stands to reason that if Domus can handle 160 guys for just a Midwest tournament, uh, it would stand to reason that he could handle an Adepticon tournament of just a slightly larger size. Yeah. I mean, he's essentially doing a summer version of Adepticon right now with Midwest uh, Meltdown. Right. You know, right. I mean, he's got, what, 160, 170 guys or something, something like, like that? that. Yeah. that tournament? Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I, wonder, I wonder if that's going to continue. Um, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Uh, it's a summer event. It, it doesn't uh, interfere with Adepticon at all in terms of uh, in terms of like a time schedule. I mean, people could easily and it's more and it's more or less a Midwest tournament anyways. Like most of the Midwest guys go to it. Right. It's I mean, I don't know. Maybe in time it'll draw like an international crowd. Hey, I hope it does. I right. Mean, good Lord. I mean. We don't ever want a tournament to fail because the bigger a tournament gets, the more people we get in the hobby. That's so, very no, true. I think Domus and his crew are going to do a great job with it. I think they'll they'll take it and they'll run with it. Yeah, yeah. And good I, luck to them. And yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I I, I think it was kind of interesting to see that. I and I came across that on Twitter. Um, actually, I think I think it was Sean that let me know about it first, and then uh, and, and folks were, were were just openly mentioning Grimdark Goons. So so I apologize well, about the, know, the first name basis when you guys are like, who the hell is Sean? Um, yeah, so. he's an he's a, an established, you know, Domus is an established uh, TO. He is very well and very highly respected in the community. I mean, everybody loves the guy, and everybody loves the tournaments that he puts on. So you know, I I think that. Adepticon will just and you know what? Give Alex his props. Alex was running that event for what ten years, yeah. You know, and he took it over when Warhammer wasn't doing so hot, right? You know, when Age of Sigmar was not doing very well, and uh, and he stuck with it, and you know, but now he's got other priorities in his life, you know, right. and maybe he's just decided to move on to to different things. Yeah, we don't know. No. But congratulations for the ten years that you ran the tournament. Absolutely. And you know something he, you know, Alex did do a great job uh, with it, with that tournament, you know, never once did he ever treat that tournament like a jizz rag. He, he did great with it the whole time. Uh, but you know, let's, let's keep rolling on with, uh, with, with Adepticon here. So it looks like that Adepticon will continue the team and champ events for age of Sigmar. Now this year, you know, obviously if it wasn't canceled was supposed to be the year Adepticon copied the team format from the 40 K champs at Adepticon. That was always of interest to me because Adepticon always had the teams, meaning the, the 2v2 format that, that was well attended. I mean, heck, you and I played in the teams in, in 2019 and, and, and had a blast. Oh, that, that to me was the most uh, fun I've had in years. Right. We, we had we had all great opponents. Oh, God. You know, I, and I, I got to tell you, if I live to be 200 years old, I'll never forget Beer Bitch. Um, <laughs> but it, it was... It was always no, 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 no. Don't don't try to sidewind that conversation. Okay, I'll never forget the amount of ones that you rolled in a single game for Jesus. for an ability that only required a two plus. Folks, he rolled six you know, 
ones. Yeah. To, to How kind, does that statistically happen? <laughs> to, kind, to kind of to kind of back up what what Steve is beating me over the head with here is uh, I was playing my um my my Beast Claw Raiders army back then, and of course that was pre Ogre Maw Tribes. And the Beast Claws, obviously, I was playing all Thunder Tusks, four of them. And on a 2-plus back then, it was six mortal wounds. Auto six mortal wounds on a 2-plus because of their dirty snowball attack. And um, I think three times in a row, now I had four uh, Thunder Tusks, folks. So that would have been 12 attempts at a 2-plus. I think nine of them were ones. It was. How does that statistically happen? It was. How did you do that? It was pathetic. It really, really was pathetic. Well, it was funny watching uh, Tanya and Adam laugh at us as we uh, basically handed the game back to them. That's very true. That's that's very true. You know, and, and I got to tell you, those everybody that we played was just. Uh, awesome and i and i do yeah, have to say though time. that was a, it was a fun tournament the um the, the the temperament is obviously different in a team tournament versus the champs when it's oh, a yeah, 1v1 yeah. versus a 2v2 i found that everyone was a lot more friendly and and we actually talked about the rules and abilities and almost like you were playing at a game store because um i think people understand that a team tournament is about you and and your and your buddy uh going you know going into the ring together instead of you going into the ring by yourself right and i think that i mean now granted the championships i mean you know everyone was pleasant you know I, I didn't have any issues or anything but um i just felt a better vibe in the team tournament because people were just relaxed and playing with their buddies and having a good time right uh the singles like i said the singles it's on you know everybody's uh, got their game face on and, and the stakes are higher right? because it's you alone. Yeah. And, but you know, I want to go back to something real quick because, sure. you know, going back to that, that team tournament that you and I played in, it looks like, as I said, that, that, that Adepticon had it been on this year, it was going to be the first year that they were going to copy the 40 K, the longstanding 40 K process of, of the teams, whereas essentially, it wasn't necessarily 4v4, but it was it was kind of that, that round-robin team effect that 40K had been doing for a long time. Yeah. And you and I had already they – had, they had already had an established team because you and I, like I said, had played in the 2v2. Uh, Evan and I played in the 2v2 uh, the pre- year previous, my son Evan and I. So, um, you know, it, it's been around for a while. But it was always the champs, to me, that seemed a bit wobbly, mainly the second day. And it seems there has been really no attempt to bolster that event. I mean, what are your thoughts and, and, and experience with the champs at Adepticon, Steve? Yeah, the champs I was not very fond of, and it's and it's um, and it wasn't any of the guys that I played. I mean, no. it was just um, I I didn't like the fact that when I went in there, one of my opponents was drunk. Uh, obviously was out having fun the night before and i would you know of course i would never mention names or anything i'm just saying one of the guys that i was playing against was drunk and i don't think he was playing at an adequate level um and then though the other guy i faced was one of our own crew which i was a little miffed about but that's okay you know it is what it is but uh i just didn't feel a vibe in the room that day Everyone was very lethargic and kind of worn out. And I think the reason for that is that everyone for the tag tournaments, you know, the team tournaments, everyone goes out and parties on Friday night after the team tournament. 
Right. Well, then they come in the next day and everybody's dragging ass because half of them are, you know, recovering from, you know, their hangover. Sure. And the other half, you know, didn't get any sleep. So and then, you know, most of them were probably both. So everyone was just kind of like really quiet and and there I just didn't feel the excitement in the room that I felt the day before in the team tournament. And right. that kind of upset me because yeah. I was like, you yeah. know, where's the vibe? You know, this is like a Depticon. This is like, you know, the World Series here, you know, where's the vibe in the room? And I just didn't feel it. Right. And and I and I think that I honestly communicated that about a year ago when I was on the show. I yeah. just didn't feel that vibe in the room. Now, I, I know, I, you know, some people go there and, and I guess, you know, an argument could be made. Well, the room, you know, the room's vibe is what you make it. OK, but I'm just saying personally, I didn't feel the level of excitement in that room that I felt the championships felt more like the singles should be, if you know what I mean. Right. In terms of enthusiasm. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I think the thing that, um, that kind of stopped me cold was, was the second day, you know, and again, I, I know that, that in a tournament like that, you have a lot of dropouts because the minute somebody loses one or two games, they figure, you know, they're, they're not, they're not ever going to, they're, they're, they're not going to amount to anything in the tournament, but so let's let, let's kind of hold it there for a second. I mean, let's. And I know we're kind of stretching the taffy out on this topic here a little bit, but we got a little bit of time yet. So let's look at the Adepticon as a tournament uh, that has been traditionally loosely controlled in terms of, of scoring. Now, I'm not going to speak necessarily on composite scores versus traditional type of scoring. I'm talking about your scores to a judge's table and having someone input the data in an Excel sheet that you cannot see. And I think there's been a lot of the feedback that that they'd like to see something like that changed especially when you're playing in a tournament that's 200 to 220 to 250 people where the odds are stacked against you before you even walk through the door that you're even you know i mean mathematically speaking right i mean if you think about it that way your 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 opportunity to really win anything at that type of an event is about three percent and then you throw into the mix that you don't really have that immediate gratification and and what I'm trying to say here, one of the reasons I'm I'm saying this is I'm a big proponent of apps like, you know, Best Coast Pairings, Board Game Scorer, or an app that's actually called The Score, um, has always had me wondering why this tournament has never utilized those apps. Because the, the larger tournaments, like a la, uh, you know, LVO and some of the other big ones, they're using those apps. So I think that was also something that, that, that has I've heard people be a little skeptical on. What are your thoughts on that, especially when you're talking about a, a tournament that's, you know, 220 plus people? Yeah, when you're dealing with that many people, I want to see the scores broken down every game uh, and then every day. In other words, at the end of the day, I want to see the printout. I want to see the sheet. And, you know, I want to see how I scored in all the categories and everything and just have everything open, you know, um, and I know people put stuff on war score, you know, and they do things like that. I mean, that's fine. I'm just saying. Um, for me, I want everything crystal clear, right? So right. that there's, so that, because what that does then is that that prevents doubt. It prevents people from getting snarky. It prevents people from, uh, uh, copping an attitude once they've left the tournament because they feel that something screwy went on. Right. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that has happened. I'm just saying that that's, you know, people like to see how everyone i mean as far as i'm concerned 
you take everyone's name, you put it in the big list, and you show everything. Sure. And I mean everything, every little point. I mean every break. Break it down, you know, to the microscopic level if you have to. But right. Uh, that's just to me what I want to see. And I know you feel the same way about that. I mean, you're a TO yourself. So, I mean, obviously, right. you know, you like to have things straight up and in front of people and you like to have everyone know, you know, how, how things were scored. I just think that it's, it's, a, it's some guys are, you know, that they, they like to do the composite composite scores. And then right. some guys like to do, you know, what you uh, what did you refer to it always as? Um, Masters tournament scoring or traditional yeah, scoring. Masters yeah. tournament, yeah. I mean, I don't play in enough tournaments for it really to affect my gaming. Right. But uh, I prefer, I can say this, I prefer your way of scoring than I do composite scoring. Yeah. Only yeah. because I do not agree, and you and I have had this conversation about 50 million times, I do not ever believe that someone's opinion of you should affect your score. Exactly. Yeah. Because and, and, and folks, we're not going to get into that. We're no, not going to, we're not going to beat that dead horse, we've but just, just so you know that that's, yeah. yeah. We've had that conversation a million times. Uh, I just think that it's fair to say that, you know, when I play a game, I want the game to represent how well I'm doing in the tournament, not, whether or not my opponent liked me or loved me or hated me. Yeah. And but I think that that's to me is irrelevant. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too. I mean, you know, when, when you look at, when you look at these tournaments and I'm talking about tournaments that are over say 30, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people plus, Yeah. you know, especially when you get into Adepticon, that's 200, 220 or whatever the heck it is, your chances of winning a tournament versus the entries are already oh, the law of averages. 1%, yeah. Yeah, so I think I think coupled with a couple of things, and I, I want I'm I'd like to see this changed with maybe the new guard that's going to be taken over Adepticon is, you know, to update the scoring system to something a little bit more modern and sophisticated. Number one, uh, number two, um, I think that would also help the attendance because the second day attendance has over the years gotten worse and worse and worse. And I think that Sunday, it's, it's, it's like you've always said, Steve, I think it's predicated off the fact that somebody loses one or two games and they think, oh, what the hell am I knocking around here for? I can, I can go hang out in the vendor hall and get all the good deals before they yeah, pack everything I mean, up. I think that's what a lot of guys do. I mean, I know last year that uh, I think I went, uh, I went two and one last year on the first day. And then I was like, I just didn't want to be there for the second day. I mean, I was like, okay, I mean, there's no way you can win. Once you lose a game, you're done, you're out. Um, right. So, I mean, I know some people are like, well, this is my vacation and I'm going to play every game because, you know, I mean, look, I'm a half hour away from, you know, from Adepticon. Right. So it's no big deal for me to say, ah, I don't need to play the other two games and just bug out. But there are people that, you know, the people who, uh, have come here from out of state or something. I mean, obviously they're going to want to play all their games, but that entire room was, I mean, certainly didn't have the same amount of people that had day one. That's for sure. No, because no. People want to get out of there and they want to go, they want to go get the deals before the vendors leave. Well, that That's just it too. And I think, I think if you're sitting around and you're, you're, you're at maybe a, a one loss and maybe you didn't get some of the secondaries or something like that, or definitely a two or more losses, I think that's when the people pack it up and say, Hey, you know what? I, I gave it a great try. But you know, to me though, it's like, I'm waiting on the refund. Uh, I, I just, I just went and bugged out and I got a full refund from Adepticon rather than, you know, keep my money light, you know, just, uh, between, between the tickets and everything like that, you know, somebody's going to spend a lot of money. 
you know, you, you could spend upwards of 150 to 175 bucks uh, just on the oh, event sure. alone, not, not hotel, not, you know, beer money and escorts and whatever else. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I'm kidding about the last part. Um, but the fact of the matter is you're going to spend a lot of money to do, to go to these tournaments. And I think people rationalize that two different ways. Um, people rationalize it by saying, yes, um, this is something, this is an event that comes once a year. This is my vacation. And, and they roll with it that way. But then there's also the people that rationalize it and say, Hey, look, almost like a gambler's mentality. I'm paying into the pot to win this thing. And I think though, I think, I think you would help solidify that a little bit because the other larger tournaments, you know, a la, like I said, Nova LVO, they went to these other scoring you know, methods. And I, and I want to say the 40 K side has been, has gotten away from the Excel sheet and all that kind of stuff a long time ago. And I think that immediate gratification is something that the gamers look for. Yeah. So, Oh, I totally agree. People want to see their results quick. Right. Right. And, um, I know that, uh, the program that Gary was using, uh, with 40 K that you could just go online and get all the information like right. right away, like everything, not just like, you know, your, you know, your basic scores, you'd get everything. Right. So, yeah, but I mean, not to beat a dead horse. I just think that, uh, you said wait, horse, didn't you? See, you know, let's see what Domus and his crew do with Adepticon. And I mean, I'm sure everyone's, you know, excited about it. And, yeah. And I am waiting to see what he comes up with. I'm excited. Domus is a good guy. And I think, I think Adepticon will continue to be the, uh, the, the, the event, the mystique filled yeah. event that, that it always has been. A public service announcement brought to you by frag factory, 3d printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. Now, back to the show. Speaking of another tournament that, uh, that we have coming up, we have Armed Forces Day here, folks, and you know what? That's that's not too far away, and yes, it's still on target to uh, to be a tournament, and this is going to be our third year for this 100% charity event to support our active duty troops. 
Armed Forces Day tournament will be held May 16th and 17th, and you can head over to GrimdarkLive.com to check out the information on this tournament. Armed Forces Day 2020 will be a two-day Age of Sigmar event where each player is going to bring 2,000 points of an army comprised of the most recent General's Handbook and AOS rule set. This event is going to be a 1v1, five-game, two-day tournament to provide donations to our active duty troops while celebrating Armed Forces Day, a national holiday to honor those active duty troops. Also, we're going to be doing donations at the event for the Montford Point Marine Association Chapter 2. There will also be a separate raffle to support this historic Southside Chicago Montpoint Marine chapter after a half a century of being home to those African-American Marines who settled in Chicago after the war in 1946. The chapter is currently facing some looming debt with the potential for closure. So we are uh, we definitely want to make sure that we support them. And of course, Armed Forces Day 3 would not be possible without our supporters uh, at GameStorm Gaming, Frag Factory 3D Printing, Ministomp.com, Six Squared Studios, and potentially two others that are going to be um, helping out with prize support for this event. And yes, folks, just want to reiterate uh, that we are still on target. Uh, I'm going to be having meetings uh, throughout next week, uh, and I will have the official answer as to whether or not Armed Forces Day is going to be uh, continuing on those dates uh, at that time. So we got to look at everything because obviously with the quarantine that's happening and people, you know, being, being shut up into their houses through uh, April, that's only two weeks after everyone gets, gets out that Armed Forces Day is going to be happening. But we are, we are so far, we're, we're still up and running. So uh, if you want to, so it's $40 per person buy-in. And of course, if the, uh, if the event does get canceled, I don't see that happening at this point. But if it does get canceled, uh, you'll either get a full refund or you can uh, donate to the USO. So that's what we have going on for the, uh, the Montford or for the armed forces day Montford point Marines as well. Yeah. Very cool. And I, like I said, it's my favorite tournament, not because of you, but because it, it takes care of our troops it, and it takes care of troops that have already fought for us. So I just think that it's uh it's a phenomenal, phenomenal tournament to be part of. Right. Thank you. Yeah, you know what? Like I said, this will be our third year, and uh, one way or the other, uh, we're we're going to make sure that uh, that that we that we we fight our weight in Wildcats to uh, to have this tournament for sure. But I think uh, I think that's it for the news. Anything anything additional that you may or may not have? No, I think we've pretty much covered it all. Let's uh, let's move on. Hey gang, I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events, so get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. 630-243-9330. 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. 
GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. We are definitely going to move on, and we're gonna dun dun dun. We've got that topic. We got the uh, we got we got those 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 new elves. So let's get into the topic of the main AOS reveal this past Saturday, Steve, and that's the uh, the Lumineth Realm Lords. Let's uh, let's get talking about them. So. Okay. I guess uh, I guess it's a it's a foregone conclusion for me to uh, to ask your your thoughts. I mean, let's hear it again. What what do you think of these models? Do they look good? Are they going um, to be a daunting to assemble like the Sylvaneth? Let us know your thoughts, Steve. Let let us have it. Well, you know, whenever I look at any kind of uh, a model, especially one that's wearing armor, I look at it from a utilitarian point of view. With this armor be reasonable in combat and i look at these uh as vince called them on his show the techless longhorns uh <laughs> right i love is, that it, it was there is no way you are going to be swinging around a hammer of that size with a helmet of that size number one your neck couldn't even support the weight of that helmet you'd actually break your own neck if you if you hit your helmet the wrong way with those with the hammer so from a utilitarian point of view they would be it would be the most moronic kind of helm that you would ever wear in combat with a two-handed weapon because a two-handed weapon you're swinging over your head well how are you going to do that if you have horns sticking out five feet so yeah it, it to me they look silly I, I remember some some of the guys on other shows were laughing and saying they couldn't even fit through a doorway. Right, they can't. Yeah, that, that, that's that been the big joke on the boards. I, look, I, I know that some artists put a lot of work into this, and they were trying to build a new aesthetic. They're trying to move away from elves being, you know, the woods, the forest, the bows all the time, and they're trying to give them something different. They're trying to give them the runes. They're trying to link them to the elements and to the mountains. Okay, I get it. I get you're trying to build a new aesthetic, but sometimes people just want elves to be elves. Right. I do. And which is going to be a conversation you and I are going to have a little later. But I'm not saying that the guy, look, we have guys in our own group that are going to be playing these models. Yep. And I cannot wait to face them with my trolls. I cannot wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying, from a personal point of view, I do not care for the aesthetic. They, I would never play this army under any circumstances. Number one, I don't like high elves to begin with. You son of a. And us. number two, this aesthetic has completely turned me off. I, you know, I am praying that the dark elves, that Malarian's army is going to be something terrifying so that we have some elf army other than Phoenix guard that will be feared on the table besides daughters, of course. Right. I was going to say daughters are pretty scary now. Yeah. And, and folks, I I guess, you know, listening to what, what Steve has to say and and I'm, I'm on his side. I respect it, but I also understand where, you know, guys in our own group and other people out in the community are coming from with this army. And, and as we get into this topic, I'm also not going to, you know, I'm going to try not to have a cow. <laughs> see, I threw, I had to throw that in there. Steve. I see what you did there. Um, and I got to say, I like the faction's name, Lumineth Realm Lords, but not quite digging the, the, the known roster this far is, is really, I, th- I think what you're saying as well. I mean, uh, but as you know, 
and folks, a lot of people that have known me for, for a long time, I was I was a high elf Warhammer Fantasy Battles player, and I love the faction. And at times, one of my favorite things about Age of Sigmar is GW moving away from older fantasy tropes and doing much more outlandish things, like, i.e., Deepkin, uh, Karajan Overlords, and the Nighthaunt, for instance. Um, while I may not always admire the, the technical craft of the new models when, when they're released, they generally don't disappoint me. And I am really hoping this line will at some point within the range change my mind on that. Besides the whole MC Hammer style uniforms, I like the infantry and cavalry models, especially their plumes. Although Altharian, who was once my, one of my favorite characters, he was known as Altharian the Grim in Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Altharian, in my opinion, is a big flop and, and also looks really fragile i mean physically as a model really fragile. now i must say that that is the one model out of the line that i do like i okay. love the idea that there is like this living being of light inside the armor like that his spirit is still clinging on see i love that aesthetic you know what i, I, just, I would i would have liked it had it been anyone else other than altharian the grim um, i mean his backstory was so compelling and this oh, and yeah. folks we're taking a left turn at albuquerque here with with the uh, with the storyline but you know his family was killed by i think grom the paunch uh and uh he went after him and killed him and got get lost his eye in the process and you know um what is it with 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 high elves and losing their their, their eyes i mean now you got you got teclas that's bl- or um, Tyrion that's blind any rate um but i think i would have been fine with it because i like i like the idea of this ghost walking around in armor but i just don't like the fact that it was eltharian i guess the best way to put that yeah i mean as far as the model is concerned i think that's their strongest model in the line um teclas in my opinion is god awful um yeah the new mountain, the new mountain goat, uh, monster thing. <laughs> We're going to get to oh, those in a minute. My God. I mean, yeah. When have elves ever been associated with mountain goats? It's like, Oh my well, God. I know it's not a goat. And I know people are like, Oh, that's not what it is. Yeah. They're Guys. not my beastie boys. Not my goats. Oh God. It looks like something for beastmen. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we're going to, I'm going to touch, I got a comment on that here in a minute. I mean, and, but again, you just to kind of clear up the, the, the Altharian, the grim thing, you know, uh, it's just a head scratcher to me, you know. Bringing him back as a ghost armor is is, is really a head scratcher. If this was GW's idea to please older gamers, especially you know high elf ones like myself who have always liked the pointy elves, it's a flop. And to back you up, what you just said even further, Steve, I dislike Teclas te- and wish uh, he either was a Lariel sized or. Uh, Kalendar as, as, as his avatar form, you know, like the, that the Kalendar is, is the beast that he's stuck to the wing on, um, kind of like a la Marathi. Um, well, and, and with that said, why not a separate model of him in humanoid form? I think would have been a better way to do it. I, th- I think it was a failure. He, he's a God for shit's sake. Here is how I look at it. Okay. I look at the daughters of Cain, a home run gloom spike gets a grand slam mm-hmm. nurgle nurgle uh, another home run well we all yeah we always said nurgle was a triple play with, oh, with, with someone on base nurgle yeah. is phenomenal yeah. i mean what they did with those nurgle models i mean the blight kings just are awesome my point is this i i look at daughters i look at gloom spites i look at all of these great armies that they've put out 
and then I see something that does not match an Elvin aesthetic. Mm-mm. And I don't care how many times you try to say, well, Steve, it's a new world. It's this and that. I don't care. Right. They don't feel like elves. The daughters as snakes feel more like elves than these elves. And that is what really irritates me. I were, I really wanted to see high elves return to their glory. Oh, you showed it. I knows? Look, we don't know what this army can do. We don't know if it's going to be one of the nastiest fighting armies on the table. We don't know. But here's what I do know, or at least I suspect. I can tell you right now that Tyrion is not in this army. Right. I don't think Tyrion is in this army. I don't think that uh, his aesthetic would fit this army's aesthetic. I think this is Teclis's army. And I think if there are any more models coming out, it's only going to be maybe a few more units at the most. Because if you look at this line, we've got the cavalry, we've got the archers, we've got the spearmen, mm-hmm. we've got Eltharian, right. Teclis, and the two versions of the giant mountain goat, uh, golem, whatever it is. Right. Um, Spirit of the mountain, whatever they call the damn thing. Um, and I got, I got something to say on those here in a minute. So yeah, so. I, I, here's the way I look at it is I don't think this product line has that much more to offer. You know, we could be wrong. It could be one of their biggest books and have tons more units coming. I don't believe so. I think that this line has pretty much been shown to us and that maybe a few more kits and that's it. Right. And, I, and I'm glad for that because that, reassures me that Tyrion's army is going to be uh, the fighting, the more fighting warrior kind of version of the elves, the more militaristic version of the elves than this unit. This this army appears to me as like a citizen soldier army, which is what the older high elves were, but they were a lot cooler looking. Yeah, they had that they had that J.R. Tolkien type of elf look that, yes. that I wanted back. You know, but just to kind of rewind here a little bit. I where I really think GW shit the bed was in these these mountain spirits. I mean, they both look like as I said before, they both look like gorgons and spandex. Yes. N- namely, starting off, and you were trying to remember the the, the name here, and I, I pulled it up here. It's it's the uh, Avalindor, the Stoneheart King, is this guy right here. And, and I suppose the new story arc is that the elves, elves are, are under the command of Teclis you know, and, and they've made allies with, of the mountain spirits. So they are now, they, they now march to war alongside their, the ranks of these, you know, th- these big dudes march alongside with all their spearmen, their archers and their cavalry. You know, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect uh, or what I was going to see during the previews this past weekend, but this fellow certainly is different and why is it that the more I, I look at this, I see the marketing concept for the, the beasts of chaos that should have never, I, what this looks like to me is, is, is a beast of chaos giant or, or, or model yeah, that never, that like should have never made it off the drafting character. table. Yeah. It, it, lo- it looks like a failed beastman character to me. Yes. And, but, but here's another one, Steve, and, and, and it gets worse. Here's the other guy. This is, this is Avalindor, the, the Stoneheart King. Uh, I'm sorry, this is the other one. I think his name is uh, Alarith, the Spirit of the Mountain. And it's, it's a little ridiculous here with this guy because he's part creature, part actual mountain, 
these these spirits are able to go toe to toe with the likes of a bloodthirster apparently from from what i'm understanding and the more i look at them the more i hoped it couldn't get more ridiculous uh but then it hit me like a cro- croquet ball see how see what i did there yeah. um and here we have the alarith stone guard who come armed with some massive croquet mallets which are again quite the departure from the standard elf designs of the past, which as you can see, uh, what we're talking about here, folks, this is kind of what Steve was referring to. And I'll let you reiterate it, Steve, the, the physical nature, the physical aesthetics of them actually being able to fight in combat with, uh, big bulls on their head and croquet mallets. Yeah. Number one, their necks couldn't even support the weight of the helm. Number one. And I don't care if we're playing a fantasy game. And, I could see some folks picking up these miniatures and shaping and shaving the helmets into regular narrow points like the elves of old. As I said, I, I want to applaud Games Workshop for taking chances and, and, and doing something different with their range. But sometimes it, it can look a little wild. Yeah, um, I just think that this was a um, this was an attempt at a home run. And they barely made it to first base. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. I, I, I have to completely agree with you. I, um, you know, I, I, and let's, let's try, let's try to, let's try to keep it hopeful and positive here with this. So there's no real details on Tyrion. And I'm really curious Nothing. as to what happened to Tyrion. What, what are your thoughts on his whereabouts? I, I mean, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm personally a, a bit disappointed that we didn't get Tyrion in this release. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm I'm absolutely ecstatic that Tyrion is not in this army. Um, and, and a lot of other guys with shows uh, are feeling the exact same way. I am okay. very, the only good thing about this army is that I am almost 100% certain that Tyrion is not part of it. And that is that is what makes me happy because I know that guys like you are waiting for, and I hate to say it, a real elf army. I am. And I think Tyrion's army is going to be that. Yeah. What Teclas is going to be to defense and to magic, Tyrion's army is going to be to wrath, fire, and destruction. Like right. He is going to be a killer and his army is going to be an army of killers. And this was the thing that that really sat. Well, this thing that really sat weird for me, because in the last, you know, I don't know how many years, 14, 15 years, this whole story arc of the high elves has been Tyrion and Teclas, Teclas and Tyrion, you know, the two brothers, you know, they seemed like they were always paired up in the lore as, uh, and now here they're, they're supposed to be paired up as, as joint gods of Heish here in age of Sigmar. And there's no real details on, on what, Tyrion's up to other than what's in the the core rule book which does say that he's the one mustering armies now we know as I said earlier that he's blind and he relies on Teclas to help him out I'm kind of curious as to why they skipped over him when they mentioned the Ideneth because it was actually Tyrion who saved them from Teclas so yeah and that could have caused a bit of friction we don't know um I do want to read the story of the Lumineth Realm Lords. Like, I do want to get the book just to read, like, the yeah, story and see, like, what happened to Tyrion? Where where are they, you know, where are they saying that he might be? Or, you know, or if they do say outright, okay, Tyrion's over here. He's in this realm. He has this army. We right. may get a little sneak peek like we did with the Daughters of Cain. Because if you remember, the Daughters of Cain, when they were released 
they had in their uh, list of allies, Idnith Deetkin. Right. And that was the first time that we saw that name. And That's everybody true. was like, what the hell are the Idnith Deepkin? And then, of course, they were revealed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, I am actually kind of hopeful that we might see something in this book when it is released. There might be the name of Tyrion's army in there. And wouldn't that be a nice little hint and it, offer some comfort to people like you who are waiting for the warrior elves yeah. and not the um, poofy pants elves. Yeah, exactly. The MC Hammer pants. And, and not yeah. that, you know, not, not that I'm, I'm, I'm into, you know, or, or, you know, against MC Hammer, you know, I'm not, I, or anything like that, but I just, this, this to me, this is an elves, you know, and I got to tell you something, and this is how, how pathetic this is. The identity Deepkin to me with their tragic backstory and everything, we're closer to what elves are than this army here, than the Lumineth Realm Lords. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Oh, Idnith Deepkin, the Achelians, are more like the High Elves than these goofballs exactly. are. Yeah. Yep. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live experience and the show. If you want to support the show, please like and subscribe on YouTube and follow us on our podcast. This way, you'll be alerted when we post new content. If you'd like to support Grimdark Live further, head over to GrimdarkLive.com, get a t-shirt, dice, or there's Patreon, which makes our show possible. Keeps our mics on and the lights buzzing. Big thanks to everyone, past, present, and future, who have supported Grimdark Live. We do this because of all of you, and of course, we will continue doing this for as long as we can. Okay, you guys ready for more Grimdark Live? Let's get back to the show. But you know, speaking of that, you know, we're, we're going to kind of segue into our into our into our next. Uh, I guess it's it's an extension of this of this topic here, really. But um, we are gonna we're gonna talk about some hope here, you know, because there is, there actually is still hope, and that that's in the uh, that's in the realm of the Phoenix Guard right here. So, you ready to ready to talk about some real elves here, Steve? Yeah, let's talk about our real elves that we still have. So this 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 right here makes me warm and, and happy. I mean, Phoenix Guard have been one of the most powerful and thematic melee units since the early days of Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and some of the coolest infantry models too. And and this is carried over into Age of Sigmar, despite the High Elves being broken up into tiny subfactions, and, and even with the the release of Cities of Sigmar. Um, and for what they do you can get a huge points reduction for blocks of 30. Now, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about that, the physical game piece, but myself, I've played Phoenix Guard now since 7th edition. And, um, yeah, a long time. I used to play him. I used to have an army, a la, I used to call it my, my, uh, my, my Lawthorn army. And um, I, never went home, I never left home without him. I mean, the, the Phoenix Guard have always, you know, they, 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 they had some yeah, great... Yeah, they were your babies for a long time. Oh, yeah. They, they, they've always had a 4 by 4 you know, 4-plus ward save, you know, and this is back in the day when they had this great banner. I'm, I'm kind of reflecting here a little bit. But banner they, of the they, World Dragon. The Banner of the World Dragon. Yeah, baby. And then that thing was, that thing made them even more oh, insulting than they already are. Yeah. But, you know, as far as elves to play, this is kind of what I wanted to throw out there, Steve, and, and, and to everyone listening. I mean... For, you, you can get you can get these guys in a max unit of, of 30 on the table. Now, normally, they're 160 points for 10. For 30, they're 420 points. Now, that's a 60-point discount on what I would say probably the top three units in the game currently right now. 
So the Phoenix Guard are 420 for 30, correct? Correct. Yeah. So they are the same point cost as nine Rock Gut Tragas. Right. Right. Yeah. And both have ward saves. Yep. Both have, uh, both do, and well, the trolls do more damage, but the Phoenix Guard have, um, oh, uh, they have a, I, I mean, I, I think they're probably going to do less than a unit of nine trolls in damage, but, uh, they're comparable, definitely. Well, I mean, let's 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 look. Let's touch on that on the attack. On on the yeah. offensive side, a basic Phoenix Guard has two attacks. They're threes by threes, negative one rend. And that's what tro- trolls have the same thing, except their damage is negative uh, two rend and damage three. Right. However, there are two big real kickers here. Most of the time, they're going to benefit from re-rollable to wound because of their anointed. They have this thing called Captain of the Phoenix Guard command ability. So now they're re-rolling their wounds, not ones. Not just They're just re-rolling their wounds. Yeah, that's nice. That's a nice ability. Yeah, and the real cheese here is with a 2-inch attack on 25-millimeter base, if you're careful in positioning, you know, base lock and interweave, etc., you can get effectively three ranks of elite profile attacks hitting and wounding, re-rolling those wounds, on that target. So, and with a negative, and, and folks, we're, we're comparing them right now to trolls for conversation point, and trolls are just absolutely probably the most beat stick thing in the game. But with a negative one rend that the Phoenix Guard have against most, if not all models in the game, they can churn through the enemy. Oh, yeah. But where they really shine here, folks, in my opinion, is on the defensive side. And... They have a standard 4-plus save followed by a 4-plus ward save, after save, I guess, against both wounds and mortal wounds. So against a non-rend attack, they're going to ignore 75 to 80% of those wounds caused. Even worse for the opponent, if a full Phoenix Temple list, they probably have a Frost Heart hanging around there too, providing negative 1 to wound debuff on your attackers. So if you have a Frost Heart Phoenix... Um, close to your Phoenix Guard unit, that enemy unit now has a negative one to wound debuff on, on, yeah. on their attacker. So very nice. With 30 models, as we said before, to churn through and 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 that kind of defense, this unit will survive pretty much anything. And st- statistically, they are possibly one of the best melee units in the game, In the, as I said before, in the top three for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, who who would you say are the? I mean, obviously, okay, trolls. I'm going to give them that. Trolls are just yeah, I would think too nasty for word because they have a two inch reach as well. Oh yeah, they're devastating. Um, if they hit you at full at full strength, like at at either nine or twelve, you're dead. I mean, they'll do like thirty six to forty two wounds on average. Right. Um, I would say the top killy units in the game right now. If I would say the top five, it would be Blood Sisters. Uh, the, the eels, it would be trolls. It would be Phoenix guard. And I would say the, uh, fire slayers, you know, uh, the fire slayers with the, with the flaming pole axes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that the top three all in, um, and, and I agree with you, but I, I'm going to stick to the top three. Two of them are elves, blood sisters, Phoenix guard and trolls. And, and yeah, and, anything that has the ability to do mortal wounds or to survive mortal wounds is going to be a very effective unit. Yeah. And Phoenix Guard are just 
for the one wound troop models in the game, they're the best. There's right. nothing that even compares to them. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And you know, a un- and here's the thing too, as far as objective camping, which is again, folks, this is an objective based game. A unit of thirty Phoenix Guard camping on an objective is overkill. I'll admit that. And and depending on the <laughs> scenario, close to an auto win. So while objective camping is probably, you know, like I said, it, it is overkill in a two thousand point game. Leaving a unit of these uh, and an anointed, I guess, in 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 the rear is is only. I guess tying up about 25% of your force uh, on defense, leaving, you know, roughly give or take 75% of your points to, to lead the attack run. So, you know, these guys are, you're all around, I'd have to say in the top three, probably the number one all around utility unit, at least in order, I would have to say, because these guys really are the, they can yeah, do it all um, and they do it all really well. Hearthguard berserkers are pretty damn comparable, but the problem with the hearthguard is, they have to have a character within range to give them the four plus ward save. You yeah. don't. Right. Um, at, at least unless there's something that's changed with Phoenix guard. No, um, no, they, they, they just get it. They, they put their boots on and they have a four plus ward save. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like the trolls. They have a five up ward save. Uh, I like units that don't have conditional ward saves like the daughter's, the biggest problem with them is that you have to keep that unit within seven inches of the general to get the five up uh, ward save. Right. Yep. Trolls can run out on the battlefield anywhere on the table and they still have their five up ward. Phoenix guards still have their five up ward. Um, Nurgle's another one that's conditional where they get the five up ward if they um, started the turn, I believe, within seven inches of the harbinger. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, a lot of these units in the game that have that ability to get the after save, right. they're always going to be your best and deadliest units. Yeah. And Phoenix Guard have proven it time and time again. For they years. Just are for tanks. years. For, for close to oh, 15 years. They're the most feared. They're one of the most feared armies to go up against because not only am I dealing with your Phoenix Guard, I'm dealing with those damn fire phoenixes that fly over my army and burn everything alive. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. they're, they're a great army. I mean, anyone who would, um, anyone who would say that the Phoenix guard are still not a competitive army, you don't know this game. No. And, I mean, and go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying that, that, that is a phenomenal army still. Yeah. And you know, the thing is they've stood the test of time. I mean, 15 years in this hobby to be doing one thing and doing it really well Oh, yeah. it is is all you all you need to say about this unit and as far and as they're real elves they're real elves and that's that's the point that i was just going to make i mean when, when you're looking at the, the new elves that are coming out and i mean the, the new new elves in the lumineth you know i take comfort in the fact that i still have my phoenix guard the tried and true still old reliable you know uh, phoenix guard i mean to, to kind of talk about this i'm going to water this down again because we're you know for, for this for, for everyone that just is joining us i mean the war scroll here Units, you can you can take units between 10 to 30. They have two attacks, threes by threes, negative one rend, with a two-inch reach on a 25-millimeter base. Remember that. They have a four-plus armor, followed by a four-plus ward save called Witness to Destiny. Uh, you ignore Battle Shock if a Phoenix Temple hero is nearby. 
you can you can re-roll your wounds on a command ability from the anointed you can take banners that give you extra bravery you can t- and drummers which which are re-rolls one on the charge on the run and charge actually um which you know it actually is very handy because you want this army in the thick of it and here's something to think about an anointed's command abilities boost their attacks giving re-rolls on failed wound rolls no other faction bonuses or buffs are possible if you if you don't like having friends then you can truly make them disgusting meaning this this phoenix guard apply a mystic shield leave a frost heart nearby and, and maybe use uh, one of the many order wizards to give it negative one to to hit spells on, on on their attacks you know to the enemies watch your opponent seethe with rage as their entire death star mincer unit combo runs right into a brick wall of phoenix guard for for full disgusting and and totally munchkin <laughs> tactics add a cheap screen unit of say skinks I, i've really kind of fallen in love with skinks uh in, in front of them at at say a half inch gap between the bases oh Any, yeah sure yeah anything with with a one inch attack will churn up this screen but then the phoenix guard can pile in or That's attack it. from a distance with their two inch attack yeah, I mean, it's something that I could do in my own troll army. I could take goblins and throw them right in front of the troll units as soon as you hit the trolls, and sl- or as soon as you hit the goblins and slaughter them, the trolls pile in and slaughter you back. So, right. yeah, the screener units are becoming more and more popular. Yeah. I mean, aesthetically, I don't care for them in my army, but in a Phoenix Guard army, skinks would just be ridiculously useful. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in a final wrap-up, a block of 30 Phoenix Guard with a supporting anointed will kill just about anything yeah. and just doesn't die to anything. Fundamentally, yeah. the four plus ward save, of course, is is the obvious thing that is uh, over the top good and, and should be exploited to, to, to your benefit as a player of the Phoenix Guard. But for me, the less obvious kicker is that they're an elite attack profile. They always have been. They've always been an elite attack profile with a 2-inch range attack on 25mm small bases. Most other 25mm base, say, 2-inch attack type models are mediocre, non-elite, but on the Phoenix Guard, the damage output benefit becomes significant because of this slight combination of a 2-inch reach and a 25mm base. Yeah, and if you give them, uh, and if you use Emerald Life Swarm in your army, you can actually bring them back. There you go. Now, now you want to talk about even being even more insulting. Uh, um, the guard ultimately have no real weaknesses, in my opinion. They, they no, are. No, I agree. I think they, they're phenomenal troops. Yeah, they are points affordable in big blocks. They move reasonably fast for infantry because they're elves. I mean, they hit hard, they die even harder, and are unlikely to run away, which is a big thing in this game. So, my opinion. As an old high elf player, as 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 old saying goes, dance with the one who brought you. Go with Phoenix Guard. You'll thank me later for it. I guarantee it. Wait a minute. What the hell is that? What's going on? And now, it's time for that part of the show where we present the rules from hell. <laughs> Yes, that's right, Grimdark Goons. It's time for the Rules from Hell, where we present the game rules from the past or present of the Warhammer worlds that just sucked. Here it is, gang. A Warhammer Rule from Hell. 
In the early edition of Warhammer Age of Sigmar, this rule dealt with the Bloodrack Medusa. This was known as the Bloodrack Stare. When making a Bloodrack Stare attack, pick a visible unit within range and roll a dice for each model in that unit. For each roll of a six or more, that unit suffers a mortal wound as they foolishly meet the Medusa's deadly gaze. You can add one to these dice rolls if, between the time you declare the target of the attack and the time you roll the dice, your opponent looks at you directly in the eye. That's really creepy. Frankly, playing with some of these rules will be awkward enough. I'm relieved at an excuse not to meet my opponent's gaze. That's really creepy, and I'm glad it's gone. That was definitely a rule from hell. And now you know a rule from hell. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the show. But you know, Steve, we're talking about that. We're coming off the Lumineth. We're, we're we're loving all over the Phoenix Guard as a sidebar topic and a relative mm-hmm. one because I think it's obvious um, that I guess the 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 opinions on the Lumineth Realm Lords and and for for many armies for that matter are going to be varied. Folks oh, yeah. will likely you know have an opinion or they'll like one army for for some reason or another, while others will not for some reason or another. But I cannot help but think. How does one tie together the idea of what army they're going to play or not? In other words, what does your army say about you? Now, I, I know that you're a troll player, and that's that's because you're a big dummy, and and, and that's what attracts you to the you know you're a big I knew, dummy. I knew you were going to take a shot. And, and you know, did, did you choose them because you are a big dummy, or because they look cool, or because you believe in what they represent um, in the Warhammer world? Their lack of ability to do math. What what is it? No, I, the models are what hooked me. Um, number one, I love the gloom, the gloom spite aesthetic. Um, one of my first armies was night goblins. And so I had trolls years ago. Um, I've never been like a crazy troll player, but I just fell in love with these models. Like, especially the dank holds and stuff. Like when this aesthetic came out, I saw it and I was like, okay, I'm in the only thing that, annoyed me was the point cost i thought the units were ridiculously overpriced but now i mean my gloom spite army that i have right now is is perfect to me and i think the army what it represents for me right it's easy um when i'm done playing this army guys it's i i think i have a total of 32 models and that includes the loon shrine and mork's mighty mushroom 32 models so when I'm done, I can pick up this army, put it in its tray, and I'm good to go. <laughs> Where so, No, seriously, it is. I'm so lazy right now in my old age that I just don't want to play these crazy, you know, 180 model armies anymore. I tried it with the goblins, and I absolutely hated it. Randy was laughing at me. I never saw Randy laugh so hard at me. He's like, oh, what's the matter, Steve? And I'm like, I can't do it. I, got, I, I just can't do it anymore. Right. So... What this, what the trolls represent to me, they're um, a beautiful army for models. I think I painted them very well. Uh, people enjoy playing against gloom spites, even if they hate the trolls because trolls are rough when they hit you. Oh, you're not but, kidding. Yeah, but they're a beatable army. It's a nice, easy, 
three and two, two and three army. It's 50, 50. I never know what's going to happen when I play someone with this army. And that's what I like about them. The fact that they are not a killer army, like my daughters, um, it appeals to me because even though they hit uh, very hard in combat, they're beatable. And that's what makes them fun for me. And not to mention the fact that I just think that every other person out there is playing, you know, a meta chaser army. Right. And so if I was a guy at a tournament and I was playing just one ridiculous meta chaser army after the other, and then they ended up going against, you know, a, I, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I think I have a beautifully painted troll army. If I, w- if I, I would was agree. that guy going up against those trolls, I'd be like, oh my God, like this is such a nice change because I'm not going up against some, you know, killer army that I know is going to have me off the table in two turns. Now the trolls can do that, but they can also die really quick too. That's true. So what the trolls represent to me is relaxation and ease. Right. Honestly, that's why I play them. They're beautiful models. I love the, I love everything about them. And, and, uh, and I've also had this army for a year and, you know, as people have always jokingly said, you know, what's the army of the week, Steve? Yeah. Uh, this is an army that I just cannot see myself selling. I just love them too much and I'm having too much fun playing them. Well, you know, and like I said, it may, maybe, maybe now you're dancing with the one who brought you. Yeah. I mean, I just love playing them. I'll put it to you this way. When I put, when I bring that case with me, every time we go gaming, I'm excited to play them. Right. I cannot say that for every army that I've had in the past. Right. And so I think I'm on to something and I think I should just stick with them. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, for, for me, it's kind of a two prong approach. You know, I, I, I picked, obviously when, when I first started, I inadvertently started playing high elves when I first got into the hobby. Um, but I stuck with them because of their martial prowess, their organization, their, their military standards, which, which kind of, you know, molded to my background, uh, fairly well. Um, and then of course, you know, being, being the, uh, um, the type of guy that I am, you know, I, I probably to a, to a fault, I don't really ever back down from too many challenges. And I heard people one day in a store talking about, uh, beastmen. And that they were, they were, you know, this, this beast of chaos army back when they were originally called it, they were terrible and no one would ever play them. And why would anyone want to play them? And this guy at this, uh, this, this game store was kind of getting ridiculed for it. So the first thing I did was I bought one of the Warhammer fantasy battle eighth edition, or it wasn't even eighth edition. It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, the, the seventh edition, brand new seventh edition battalion box that the beastman had that came out with their release of their, their new book in seventh edition, Warhammer fantasy battles. Uh, I bought it. And uh, began playing the army mainly because everybody said it sucked, and uh, I've played it ever since. And it's funny for me, um, you know, why why am I playing, you know, Beast of Chaos? Um, because you know they don't uh, uh, they they, they kind of have that Celtic warband kind of feel to them. You know, being 100% Irish, that kind of appeals to me. You know, you 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 know you've yeah, got it's shamans. the wild side. Yeah, basically as opposed to the more militaristic discipline side of you, which is the Phoenix guard, because that's what the early half of your life was, right. you know, exactly. was military. Right. And so um, I, I just think that um, for me, I, I picked that army for, for a couple of reasons from a personality standpoint, because, and, and, and there's kind of a, a I won't uh, go any further with the story, but 
about three or four months later, and this is, of course, back with Rankin Plank, I played that guy that was was kind of giving everyone a hard time. And, and this was, we're, we're pretty good friends now. I see him at, occasionally at, at GW stores, and he's a, he's a hell of a guy. So no no real animosity. But the, but the cool thing about it is um, caught up with him a few months later with that very army and beat him. And so that was kind of, for me, what, what solidified. And, you know, I've actually been, been, been doing pretty good with the beasties, uh, for, for a long time. And so, um, that, that's for me, you know, why, uh, I kind of picked that, uh, that army. So, yeah. No, it suits you very well. I mean, I, I mean, it's every army, there's an element of a person's personality in every army. Right. Like with me, it's the comedic value of the trolls that I love. For you, it's the military and discipline and order and ranks and, you know, and, and army, uh, the army discipline that you are very well accustomed to. Right. So, so yeah, I do think a person's army says something about their personality. I do agree with uh, that. I think that's a great way to put it. A la the, the story about, and I, and I got to tell it, Steve, I have to tell it. I have to tell the slant ass story. Okay. <laughs> So, folks, can we keep it clean? We will. We we will keep it clean. So, folks, and and speaking of this, what we're talking about here is, you know, do we feel that an army is is an extension of your personality? And and I'm I'm going to agree with Steve and and agree with my own, you know, perception on it. And that's that's a thousand percent yes. There was a guy years ago, and and some of the people that are that are that are listening to the show right now, you guys probably know exactly what I'm talking about because you you guys were probably there. But it was at a large tournament. Not gonna not gonna mention the name of the tournament. Uh, um, we, and he had brought in this Slanesh army. Well, all of his seekers, uh, those are the, 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 the models that are riding on what looks to be the anteaters, uh, were, uh, male weenies. Is that, is that clean enough for you? I almost like sprained myself trying to, trying to say that. Yeah. Let, let let's be very cautious how we tread. Let, let's put it this way. They, they were, they were on the pork and the beans. That was and, accurate, yes. And the beans had hair. And yeah. the TO of this particular tournament, and of course, and all of his all of his uh, you know, demonettes had weenies and, and he took green stuff and he, he he modeled the and some of them were rather excited weenies. And um he uh he actually got kicked out of the tournament and and, and he, I agree. He threw I a totally fit. Agree with that. He threw a fit. And and the TO is right to say he goes, look, you know, we, we, this is a pretty prolific little kids tournament. Around. Yeah, we have we have families coming through here, and so there's a there's a there's a backstory to this particular uh, army and this this guy too. So um he gets kicked out, and and the TO is pretty cool about it. He said, look, if you can make it back, if you can make it back, you know, we'll allow you to continue to play. So he missed the first game. But he showed up with a totally different army, and and you know you know it's funny. His first Slanesh army was so shocking that um, I forgot what he what he ended up playing. I think it was an Empire army, if I think if I if I remember right. Any rate, doesn't matter. So we were at the legendary bunker, maybe I don't know, handful of months later, <laughs> and who comes walking in for an in-store tournament was this guy again with the exact same Slanesh army. Oh Lord. And the, the manager of the bunker, who's, who's still a manager of GW stores, a great friend, an awesome guy, uh, takes one look at the guy and says, basically, wow, that army, wow, you know, was pretty talented. That took a lot to do that. Now get out. <laughs> and the guy got kicked out again. And um, I got to tell you. Well, 
when you yeah. you know when you say you know does your army feel like your army is an extension of your own personality yeah i would say that that guy is probably you know quagmire you know you know some kind of a pervert <laughs> sitting in his basement offering popsicles to the kids in the neighborhood yeah i mean you have to always consider the fact folks that if you're going to be converting models or doing things if i'm a guy and i'm walking in with my little kids you know and you're putting models on the table that are explicit in every way, shape, and yeah, form. Yeah, you got schmeckles and knockers hanging out yeah, all over I the mean, place. You know, it's just go use your common sense. Right. That army is fine as an artist's project that, you know, you play with your buddies in, you know, the garage. You don't bring an army like that to a GW tournament where, like you said, moms and dads, I mean, I can't even tell you how many times you'll see the guy playing in the tournament and the wife and the little kids walking around looking at all the beautiful armies. Well, imagine the wife comes up to the table and she sees something explicit like that. That sends a very poor message to our uh, to other people about our hobby. And that's yeah. why I that's why I agree with those TOs. Number one, he had no business even bringing that army to a public event. That was just moronic on that on that person's part. Right, and he did it twice. Yeah, and he did it twice, and I understand. It's like, look, you know, you're you're trying to express yourself as an artist. Okay, great, I understand it, but you do that with your buddies in a garage that should not be on a table at a GW store, or quite frankly, any store. It's just not appropriate. Mm -hmm. And in common sense, as an adult, you should have enough common sense to know that. Well, and like I said, that that there you you'd expect that, but yeah. So so th those are the those. That's why I believe, like you do, Steve, that the army that you choose, and, and that's why you know you're a big dummy, is is a direct <laughs> reflection of your personality. It is. I mean, the trolls are comedy. The Phoenix yeah. Guard to you are the military. I mean, it's it's so true. You exactly. can look at every one of our buddies that plays a specific army, like an army that they're known for. Right. And you could say, wow, that army, you know, like, look at the eels with Rob. Yeah. The eels are right. hyper aggressive. You know, they are what we refer to as a punch you in the face army. No kidding. Uh, you know, no doubt. They don't dance with you. They're across the table in two turns and they're on you. Right. That's Rob's personality when he plays. He's an aggressive player, but I like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I love that, that part about Rob that, He'll come at you, and you're always going to get his best game. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, God, I miss those war meets. Well, look at Randy. Randy plays Night Goblins. That's because Night Goblins are fun. You, you throw them on the table, you whip out the fanatics, you throw the squigs at people, and you have fun. Yep. It's a comedic army. Just like we so, talked about last week. You know, whenever I see comedic. a squig army on the table, I start yeah, laughing. Yeah, I mean – and, and, yeah, and say a lot about a person. They and that's really a that's do. a great that's a great analogy because Randy is the nicest guy in tabletop wargaming, man. Absolutely, yeah, he doesn't care. He just wants to play. That's it. That's it. Well, good good stuff. Hey, gang! I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in, and all provide special benefits and services to our members. 
so please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to, and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted, and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. You ready for the question of the day? Hit me. All right, here it is. The question of the day here on Grimdark Live. What lessons have we learned from being isolated from our friends and hobby for the past three weeks? Uh, you better appreciate your friends a lot more when you get to see them again. And yeah. uh, oddly enough, that's going to be my focus of the closing thoughts. But yeah. I mean, if there's one thing it's taught us is, is that this hobby can be snatched from us at any point in time. And, uh, and we're going to lose some game stores over this. I mean, there are going to be game stores that are going to go out of business because of this event. And it, it, it's tragic. And, and it's not anyone's fault. So, yeah, my advice would be to uh, appreciate the guys that you have in your group a whole lot more when you get back with them, you know. On that first day when you're standing across the table looking at, you know, your opponent, you know, you're one of your gaming buddies, you better damn well appreciate the fact that that you're able to have just something as simple as a game because life changes. And this this virus has changed the way we live and it may continue to change the way we live. We don't know. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because when I think about that, when I think about that question, you know, what lessons have we learned from, from being isolated from our friends and, you know, in the hobby for the past few weeks, you know, it, it, it's changed for me. You know, when, when this whole quarantine happened, you know, I said, okay, well, I'm gonna get a lot of hobby done and, you know, painted a lot of terrain and, you know, got more of my 26,000 points of beastmen, you know, painted up. And then all of a sudden, you know, that enthusiasm to get stuff done, it, you know, you, you, it loses its luster. And it does that because you realize that this hobby really is prefaced off of the, the person across the table from you chucking dice. You know, we, we've said it uh, a thousand times here on the show, and, and we're going to close with it here on the show that, you know, that it's a social contract to gaming. And, you know, when, 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 when you look at what this hobby is, it's not the models, it's not the paint, it's not the meta, it's not the story arc, it's not the backstory, it's not the books, it's not the, the White Dwarf magazine. It's the community. It's the people that are there. It's the, the store owner that when you walk into his, you know, his or her store every day, they say, hey, how are you? And when you leave, they say, thanks for coming in. And it's that home away from home. It's that place. You know, for us, you know, the... The people in our gaming group are an extension. Uh, they're the weird, smelly family, you know, and they're, that, that game store is our golf course. And in many ways, you know, it's all our field of dreams. You know, when, when you build it, they'll come. And we did that. And now that something like this has taken that away from us, um, it, it, it makes it it makes you long for that time. We can be across the table, chucking dice and laughing and, and, um, you know, stinking up a room. And that's, 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 that's to me why I thought the question was appropriate. Yeah. Because it's going to be a long time before we're able to do that again. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
So good stuff. Well, I think that's a perfect segue, man. Your, your closing thought. You you got it this this week, this week, Steve. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, here we are again at the end of another week of uh, Nurgle's rot. You know, but all joking aside, uh, folks, this virus hasn't just ravaged our country. It's ravaged our industry. You know, the social gaming has been hit hard this year because of this. And, you know, it's hitting our retailers that sponsor and sell our products. So many of us haven't seen, you know, our crews across the table in weeks. And soon it'll be months. So, you know, maybe during this time of of solitary confinement from your hobby, what thoughts have you had about making this hobby better when you return? If nature has taught us one thing, it's humility, certainly. And at any point in time, we can have this hobby snatched away from us in a split second. You know, whether it's a vicious virus or it's a heart attack or a stroke. Okay. So at, at this point in time, I would say, before we return to the tables, commit to being a better gamer for your club. You know, don't let silly things bother you or allow, you know, gaming buddies, quirkies, be quirky behaviors or humor to get to you as much. Instead, take a new approach to your gaming crew and let things go that seem silly or petty. Now, I'm not asking someone to compromise their principles, but we can certainly take a more measured tone towards those personalities for good or for bad. You know, it's what makes up the richness of a club. Not everyone wants to be the same, nor should everyone be the same. So in closing, just prepare for your return with a new attitude and a renewed outlook on your hobby. And that's all I have to say. Well said, man. Well said. Well, that's it. Uh, we, we're at the end of the show, and, and that's, uh, that's a great way to end the show. From Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar Worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. Miss the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Grudge Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim. All you dice chucking, goose sniffing gamer games, you're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Dark Live, and that's the social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimDarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Grimdark Live.